The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Why is it that millennials still insist on falling into this trap of democratic socialism? How cool is it? Look at Andrea Ocasio-Cortez. She's cool. Why do we continue to fall into this trap? If you've ever listened to me, and my name is Adrian Slade, thanks for tuning into the show. If you've ever listened to me, you know I'm always on the drumbeat against democratic socialism. Because first off, the millennials who subscribe to it don't even really understand what they're subscribing to. They think it means, you know, safety nets. They think it means programs that will uh, be paid for by some entity. You know, just like Andrea Ocasio-Cortez said about Medicaid, you just pay for it. That's all. You just, you just pay for it. You know, when the homeless guy is going up to get a burger, he just pays for it. That makes about as much sense, doesn't it? But see, that's what the problem. There's a, a longing for the government to take care of all the needs, but no understanding of how that gets funded. And the millennials are... A lot of them falling into this, and it's partly because they seek a welfare state. They don't understand that's not socialism. Just having some big welfare programs, that's not socialism, but it's just a bloated government. You can't run on budgets like that. The problem is they're open to everything else because they've been turned and pushed into this direction that capitalism is evil, and professors who are indoctrinating them with that notion, are also coming at them from a communist activist edge. And not only that, and people will disagree with me, but I think one of the biggest reasons why they're open to it is because they don't have any faith in a higher power. They don't have any sort of grounding in a religious faith other than the religion of big state. And you have these communist professors out there pushing it. And it's funny because they have this paradox of big government because on one hand, they think, oh, well, the government should provide everything. Let's let's raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour because everybody needs a good paying job starting out. Let's uh, have the government pay student loans, make college free. Let's have all of your health care covered, even though that's becoming unconstitutional. Thank God, because it is a tax once you take the mandate out, what's left? What people don't realize is the government cannot charge for a service. The government, you have to incur a liability to the government before they can collect it. And that would be the tax. So forcing somebody to go buy health care insurance, that's not, that's a tax. And when it becomes a tax, it becomes unconstitutional for the government to compel you to purchase something. But the millennials are all down for it. Let's Medicare for all, Medicaid for all. Let's just do it all. But then on the same token, the same other side of the coin, they're, a, they're for these big disruptive technologies that are out there, these disruptive businesses. And when I say disruptive, I mean things that new businesses that have been started that shake the foundation of the industry in which they step into. It disrupts what was the, the norm in that market because it's a different type of business operating in a similar way. You know, think about it from, from these disruptive ideas. First, it's Uber. All right, so what would it take, in the state of Virginia at least, to be a taxi? If you wanted to start a taxi business, first, you would have to get licensed because you have to get background checked by the police department. You have to then have your meter calibrated by the police department to make sure you're not scamming the people that you're driving around. You'd have to have your background checks and what have you. You'd have to get a license. There's also a certain type of tax that goes into it. So right there, you've got tax revenue and regulations. But then Uber comes along, and if you're the driver, 
You don't have to get background checked. You don't have to make sure that your uh, license is in good standing. You don't have a meter that gets, uh, you know, calibrated. You don't have inspections, none of that stuff. You just turn on the app, go pick up somebody nearby, drive them along with you. And where most people go, well, that's ride sharing. That's just, you know, they're just making money off of it. Well, first off, they're acting as a contract labor. They're acting as a contracted outsourced labor to a business called Uber. And at the same time, you know, yeah, they're taking somebody along with them, but you're now infringing into the taxi uh, taxi world. And there's nothing wrong with that from my perspective, but it flies into the face of what millennials have been thinking for years. Government, taxes, regulations, you know, basically they're picking an industry over the other one that is regulated and generates taxes. Now, the only taxes that, that you're going to pay if you're the Uber driver is at the end of the year, your income taxes. You know, you're going to get a 1099 from Uber and you'll have to add that income into your tax filing. But the fact that they will go into that and be fine with using those industries shows you that they're hypocritical in their thinking. It's the same thing with Airbnb and hotels. What if I want to start a hotel? I've got a lodging tax, inspections, I've got all that stuff happening. But Airbnb, I can go ahead and rent out the room over my garage and somebody will come and pay it and I will not have to pay a tax and the room over the garage will not be inspected. Well, I'm, and see, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just showing you the hypocrisy of the people that do advocate for big government, that do think taxes, which they consider to be the tithe to the First National Church of Gov because their religion is the big state, this is what they're advocating for. They want businesses like Airbnb and Uber and Lyft to be able to operate, which I'm fine with. That, to me, is, you know, that's capitalism. That right there is free markets. But, you know, the left, they don't want free markets unless it's stuff that they can benefit from. That's how hypocritical they are. And think of markets just in general. Every community has had a market. Going back to the beginning days of time, you know, I mean, the barter system. You have something that I want, or you have a service that will really help me out. I'll exchange something for that service, something that you want. Typically, that's currency, because currency can be used to purchase anything. That's a free market. Why do we need the government to get in there? Did, you know, did the government have to step into the barter system and say, hey, you need to take one of those chickens that you're going to give to him, hand that chicken over to us, and then we'll do something with it later. That's not how it works. I mean, think about this. In a free market, anything goes, and yeah, there are evil people because sin and evil is in the world, and that is why it turns into cronyism. But at the same time, if government comes in and regulates it all, what happens? You have other markets, black markets. Say you want something that is now completely illegal. Well, you can probably find it on a black market. A market will be out there regardless of whether or not government exists. So when the government intrudes upon the market, that's when the market gets distorted. And with a totalitarian regime... That market's probably going to be a black market. Think about third world nations. You travel overseas and say you go to you know, a third world nation for a week, I guarantee that there's going to be a market somewhere where you can pick up vegetables and fruit and what have you. Markets are going to exist. The problem is the millennial mindset thinks that we should just live as a commune. And they look at government as the hub of the commune. We are all together. We all pitch in. How did that work out for Jamestown? How did that work out for the Pilgrims? Didn't work out that well at all because some sat on their laurels, sat on their backside while everyone else did the heavy lifting, but then they still got their equal cut. They still got what they wanted out of it. And so it shows that I always say capitalism itself is the most perfect system. It's we as flawed individuals. It's we as sinful beings that corrupt the system, but it is the only system 
that can persevere through our corruption and through our taintedness of sin and still bring everybody to success. Socialism doesn't do that. Basically, what the, what the left wants, they want to get rid of the Senate. They want to get rid of the Electoral College because those things didn't work in their favor. But what happens if you get rid of the Electoral College? Well, then it becomes a direct democracy. Everybody votes. And, of course, California, New York, they're going to get all the votes. They're going to be the ones deciding everything. But then eventually, everybody decides on a popular vote. And typically, it's the charismatic guy who wins the election who wins the popularity contest. And what if that charismatic guy has his own interest at hand? He's got his own crew of people that he wants to install. And the next thing you know, once they're in power, they decide, you know, I want to keep this power a little while longer. So they basically change the rule book. And next thing you know, it's a totalitarian regime. And then, of course, to keep that regime, they're going to have to break a few eggs, which means they're going to have to kill a few people. That's how that always works. But let's get back to what we were talking about on the economic side or even on, the, on, a, on a capitalist side. Whether deciding whether or not to allow the government to control the market or you as an individual to control your own standing within the market, your own contribution, that depends on how you wish efficiency and quality to be handled. Because the government doesn't generate the wealth. They're not a revenue generator. They're not going to step up and innovate their efficiency. They're just going to do what they can do. You know, if you think about it from, say, say you think about shops as distribution centers. You know, there's specialty shops. You know, if you want to go get your car worked on, there's an automotive shop. If you want to go over and uh, buy fishing supplies, there's a fishing shop. If the government were to be the one to distribute all that, first it, it creates a bottleneck because everybody is having to go to that one place. Then it can't efficiently get those items out to you because of the bottleneck, because it can't control all of that demand from one distribution center. And so that's what we run into when we think government is going to divvy out all the resources. You know, think about what Milton Friedman said about money. And I actually heard Dan Bongino say it a pretty plain and in a simple way. Think about it with money. All right. You have your money. You spend it on you. What matters most? You're going to worry about the cost. You're going to worry about the quality. All of that matters the most. So those things are going to be a focus. You spend money on someone else. Well, cost, cost matters. You're going to be like, I don't really want to break the bank. I want to get them something nice, but I don't want to spend, you know, a ton of money on them. But quality is not going to matter because, you know, say you want to buy someone, um, you know, say like, say if you were going to buy somebody a bed, you're not going to go out and get a Tempur-Pedic. You're going to go out and, you know, get that cheap Serta. And they're going to be happy that they got it. That was very kind of you to do that. But you're not going to worry about the quality as much as the cost. And then you spending someone else's money, quality matters, cost doesn't. So say I'm going to go to a business uh, trip for my work. Say they're going to they're gonna set me up so I can go to a convention. Maybe there's some continuing education involved. And they're like, hey, look, go to this weekend convention. Um, go ahead and book your hotel and we'll pay for it. Well, then you're going to go, hmm, I can book wherever I want. You're going to get the five-star treatment. That's how that works. So that quality is going to matter, but the cost won't. You know, if it's beyond what you would normally spend, you don't care. You're not having to pay for it. So that's what I mean by quality matters, but the cost doesn't when you're spending someone else's money. You know, if they have an open pocketbook, boom, you go to town. Now, someone else spending someone else's money, neither cost or quantity matter or quality. They don't care. You know, the, the cost can be through the roof. The quality could suck. Doesn't matter. What is put into motion is, is being accomplished. Whether or not it's inefficient, whether or not it's expensive, whether or not the quality is just outright horrible. So I think, speaking of Milton Friedman, I think we need to take a listen to a cut that I've played before in the past from Milton Friedman, and it really explains 
everything you need to know about capitalism when he's talking to Phil Donahue. And then listen to Phil. Listen to Phil Donahue because he is putting out these talking points that we're hearing even today. They were talking points that were put out in the 60s. They're talking points that he delivered in the 80s. And they're talking points that the left still dwells upon. But Milton Friedman knows how to bat back those talking points with conservatism, with capitalism. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worth, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, and what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. And that right there is why Milton Friedman rocks, okay? I mean, he gets it. <laughs> Who is this benevolent government that's going to do everything right? Who are these benevolent people? That's the thing that I think is the most amazing part of that whole argument with the left is they think that a benevolent, a benevolent mixture of people are going to come into power and they're just going to do it the right way. But then they're the same people that give Congress the lowest approval rating of all. So in right there, you're saying, okay, Congress is a bunch of evil politicians and they suck and they don't get anything done. Even when you have a Republican controlled government, I mean, you've got the House and the Senate at the time, all controlled by the right. And yet we're still getting omnibus one, cromnibus two, roll you over the, roll you under the bus three, all this, all this mega spending and then they want to turn around and look to them as the answer. It doesn't make any sense. But, but the idea of capitalism being this, you know, this crony, uh, evil, greedy system is kind of outdated. I mean, the days of international corporate businesses that are rooted and built in America is no longer that Gordon Gecko, greasy, slick back hair, consume with profit persona that they always blamed on the Republican Party. I mean... They, you know, there's the people that they think are fine with plundering resources like the aliens did on, on Independence Day. They got to come to America. Uh, they got to come to, you know, the, the globe. They got to come to Earth because of the fact that they've plundered all the other places they've been to. That doesn't exist anymore. That caricature is dead. Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Wigwam, Warren, Bernie Sanders can all sit down now because they're straw manning their own side because the big corporations in almost every market are against conservatism. Big tech companies are shutting down conservative voices regularly. Big box stores like Dick's 
is going to stop selling semi-automatics because they want to have some sort of gun control. Target. Target's going to allow men in the women's room and women in the men's room because they're a big box progressive store as well. You know, retail outlets, they want to shut down conservative ideas. You know, PayPal, Stripe, they're not going to allow uh, payments to be made to conservative voices. MasterCard is going to shut down people like Robert Spencer because he stands up for uh, against militant Islam with his Jihad Watch website. They're going to say, no, we're not going to allow you to receive any money. We're going to have the tech company first deplatform you. They're going to either shadow ban you off into a corner to where no one sees you. They're going to demonetize your YouTube channel so you don't make any money off of it. And then they're going to turn around and get MasterCard to not allow payments to be processed through. They're going to do that with gun stores. They're going to say, well, you know, I don't, City is going to say, I, and Bank of America, I don't want you to be able to use our credit cards to purchase things that are still constitutionally protected. You know? I mean, Twitter decides it's going to be taking people and pushing them off their platform. And then all of a sudden, their stock price goes down. Target allows men in the women's room. They lose revenue, their stock price goes down. <laughs> See how that works? But, I mean, this is how the left operates. And so the people that they're railing against at these Occupy Wall Street events are their own people. They donate to these, you know, bureaucrats. They have lobbyists who, do, who work to have government regulation implemented in their favor. You know, Walmart... Ever wonder why Walmart was all behind $15 an hour minimum wage? Because they knew their revenue model, their, their business model of just-in-time inventory and, and uh, you know negotiating with purchasers so that they can get prices at the lowest amount, they knew that any sort of wage hike that would, that would rock their income statement they knew that that would be something they could weather through. They can just hunker down, deal with the loss in revenue because they're still going to make revenue. May not be at the rate that they wanted, but they can handle the $15 an hour increase and all their competition would get squashed. And then what would happen? Well, hopefully at that point they could, they could roll that back, you know, or their market share would increase to where they can make up the difference so that they can get that pers that return on investment level that they were operating at before $15 an hour back to it. So that's how it happens. And for the left to say that capitalism is all greed and cronyism, it's their side that's running these companies and engaging in government backscratching. And so when people, when millennials realize that government is not the answer and capitalism, the exchange of, of goods and services for, for money, when they can realize that that's not evil, that's just how the world works. You either allow government to basically put their boot on the neck of that and, and slow it down or even just stop it all together to where we're going to find ways around that, or you open it up. Take the regulation away. You know, within reason, obviously, some things need to be regulated to a point, but not everything. Not everything needs to be taxed down because when you relinquish the tax burden, that money is going to fly around quicker and it's going to go to other individuals and it's going to increase the, the, you know, the prosperity of others so that they can be contributors to the tax base. That's what people don't realize. The government, to earn more revenue, the government doesn't need to raise the tax higher so that they can take more money in. They need to lower the tax so other people will then be included as, as taxpayers. They're going to get hired. They're going to start businesses. They're going to start receiving income, and then they get to contribute as well. So that's just my thoughts on some of the issues with the millennial uh, generation, how they don't understand that capitalism isn't an evil thing. Now, on the other side of the break, we're going to get into why I can never vote for the current Democratic Party. Don't forget to find me on social media at Rants Out Loud and at Adrian Slade Show on Twitter. You can also find me on Parlor at Adrian Slade. Find me on Gab, MeWe, and also Snippy. Just search Adrian Slade. 
back in just a second. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. Welcome back. You know, outside of the reasons that I just outlined earlier as to why I am a free market capitalist, somebody who believes in libertarian and conservative values, you know, let me be me. Leave me the hell alone. But then I have some conservative sides that go into my Christian faith. But besides those reasons that we just outlined, I mean, which is why I vote GOP, not because I like the Republican Party, but they're the ones who even remotely agree slightly with the stances that I just laid out. But here's the reasons why I'll never vote for today's Democratic Party. Their ideology demands that I reject my Christian faith. They are the same party who engage in political guerrilla warfare tactics simply just to win because they, they seek power that much. I mean, they use claims of fear to motivate others to cede their liberty over to them. Hello, climate change. Oh, what, what does the Democrats stand to gain out of having climate change policies implemented? Well, first off, implementing those policies will economically cripple America. And you can't bring other countries up to the level of America. We have to minimize America. We have to put in tax policies and anti-business policies for eight years that keep your GDP under 2% for eight long years. We have to put in policies in Obamacare provisions that make businesses revert to hiring more part-time employees instead of full-time you know, staff. Why would they have to do that? Why, w- why would we hope to increase Social Security? Because we have to minimize America on the world stage. We have to economically cripple America by implementing all of these carbon taxes and climate change regulations and trying to use power that isn't even effectively there yet. We have to do all of that because we have to lower America and its standing in the world so that it can easily comport into a global union of some sort. Because who gets to run the union at that point? Oh, that would be the Democrats who seek power. Having global power? You can't beat that. I mean, look at the things that they do. They, they want to lower the voting age to 16. They want to eliminate the Electoral College. They want to eliminate the Senate. They want to change the rules in the legislative chambers, which when they're warned that this could be used against you, they do it anyways because they want to get that quick win. And then when they actually do have it used against them because they lost elections because of their blatant overreach, they cry and complain about it. They try to pad votes in early voting and absentee ballots. They did this during the midterms. They did this in Florida, in Broward County. You know, this is the same county, Broward County, the same county that hijacked the 2000 election results for months, leaving us in a state of, well, do we have a president? I don't know. We got these hanging chads and BS like that. Well, the hanging chad was, you know, they might have poked the hole for the president, but they might not have. And that hanging chad would show whatever. We went through that for months. You know, this is the same county. Remember, this is the same county that failed to be proactive with a mentally disturbed person who shot up a school. They failed to respond to the incident while it was occurring. They stopped the EMS from from entering the building. They had the security, uh, you know, police that was on the campus. He wasn't even, you know, a lot. Well, he was too much of a wuss to go in the building and he was caught on video running. You know, they they actually failed proactive measures that were actually allocated in the budget that could have been implemented years before. They actually had people that went through and assessed the school's uh, security and showed its failures. You know, I mean, this is the same one that exploited the kids who were involved in the shooting and turned them into gun activists like Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg. You know, they had the they had the have the neighboring county respond to the calls because they wouldn't do it themselves. Same county who put on a CNN town hall in order just to trash and vilify the NRA and a Republican senator. And when you offer your religious condolences to comfort the victims, you know, to comfort the families, this is what the left does. 
The only consensus there is, is in a canard. And here it is. First, I would like to offer my thoughts and prayers. Because that's what you do when you offer thoughts and prayers. You mock those who lost loved ones. Because if you gave it any thought at all, you would never walk away from any of these without figuring out a better way to deal with them. And prayer You think leaving it to God is the answer? We pray for strength. We pray for wisdom, for resolve. But we clearly don't want to act on any of those here. So what are you praying for? So uh, you're right. Uh, The moments of silence are about all that Congress has the guts to do. And it's not good enough. You You mean thoughts and prayers? Yes, I'm sorry, that should be outlawed. I know it's well intended in some cases. But usually it's a throwaway line by a staffer who knocks off some script, some products and wordage for somebody political to make it sound like they give a damn see that's how they mock the christian faith thoughts and prayers they just poo poo all over that but then they also have an issue coming from the mouthpiece of the dnc no less than the fact that you might listen to your pastor the church might actually be an influential component in your life listen to tom perez the dnc chair and we all have to make sure that we're fluent in what's happening across our ecosystem so that we can come to each other's defense because we need to build a bigger orchestra they've had a big orchestra for some time and they've got the megaphones to amplify it whether it's sinclair at a local level fox at a national level i've learned this from the outreach we've done at the dnc why are we penetrating i ask And I had someone in northwestern Wisconsin tell me, you know what? For most of the people I know, their principal sources of information are Fox News, their NRA newsletter, and the pulpit on Sunday. And it should come as a surprise to no one that our message doesn't penetrate. It should come as a surprise to no one that that person has elevated the issue, of course, to the top because that person on the pulpit is saying, ignore everything else that this person has done and is doing. We have to focus on one issue of Roe versus Wade. And people buy it. Yeah, they don't care about thoughts and prayers. They don't care about your prayers. They think your prayers don't work. Why? Because they're a bunch of godless people. In fact, listen to them in their 2012 convention where they booed God. They wanted to remove God from their platform, and they did so three times. And watch what happened. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, the matter requires a two-thirds vote in the affirmative. All those delegates in favor say aye. All those delegates opposed say no. In the opinion of the... Let me do that again. All of those delegates in favor say aye. Aye. All those delegates opposed say no. No. I, um, I guess. You've got a rule, and then you've got to let them do what they're going to do. I'll do that one more time. All those delegates in favor say aye. All those delegates opposed say no. In the opinion of the chair, two-thirds have voted in the affirmative. The motion is adopted. And the platform has been amended as shown on the screen. Two-thirds. Some questions, I suppose, about whether they really got the two-thirds majority they needed. You heard the audio. Yeah, this is the same county who wanted those little gun activists that they bred out of the Parkland shooting to chastise the Republican governor running for office. But listen to all of these different areas that were affected by electioneering. You know, look at what happened in Texas. Project Veritas has a couple of videos. The first one in Texas, where they caught a, a video at a polling station 
of the polling attendees advocating for illegal aliens to vote just by showing ID. Yes, ma'am, I had a question for you. So let's just say my boyfriend was a dreamer, but he's registered to vote. He just needs his ID, right? Uh-huh. That's it? That's it. So as yeah. long as he's registered? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask you a question? I went back and we went and grabbed his driver's license. He's just, he's saying something about how some people are questioning whether it's legal since he's not a citizen, but he was able to register. If he's... If he, if he has his ID, that's all he needs, if he's registered. Right. Yeah, it doesn't okay. matter that he's not a citizen. No, right. no. If he's registered, he has a... Honey, it might not be that he's registered. If he's giving you all this trouble, it may not be that he's registered. No, he is registered. We should be able to show you that. He's got it with him. We ran home and grabbed his driver's license because he's a DACA recipient, so he was able to get a driver's license. Yeah, he's saying he saw some mess on the internet saying that it's not legal for him to vote since he's not a citizen. Someone said on the internet, I don't know. Don't pay attention to that. Yeah. No. We have dreamers voting, right? If he has a voter registration card, uh -huh. he's registered to vote. Right. He has an ID, mm -hmm. driver's license. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Texas ID. Yeah. Or a passport. Mm -hmm. Right. Bring it up here. That's his ID. Show it to them. Mm -hmm. And then he can vote. Okay. Um, Pam, I just had a question because my, uh, so let's say my boyfriend's out in the car. Yeah. And um, he's just really nervous because he's a DACA recipient. He was able to register, though. I'm just trying to see if she's in the system. Uh, well, no, he is in the system. Okay. But he knows that, like, I don't know, there's like an issue with DACA people voting. Um, Tell him no, we had a lot of them. Got a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. From the early voter, we have tons of tons of DACA voters. Thank you. Okay. All right, we'll do. He just needs his ID, right? That's it. All right. And it doesn't matter that he's missing. Okay. And then in New Jersey, the pollsters are actually advocating for a Democrat uh, senator, Democrat Senator Bob Menendez, the same guy who was hooking up with Dominican chicks that were underage, the same guy who was, you know, under investigation. They're advocating for him at the polls. So at the end of the vote, it's what school type you want. Type okay. one is appointed. Type two is elected. Okay. Elected, of course, because this is a democracy. Is it like yes or no for the school? Okay. So, so the, 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 the two questions, okay. two questions. Okay. The, one, the first one is do you want appointed? Okay. The second question okay. is do you want elected? Working families is where they're at here in New yeah. Jersey due to Bob Mendez and all of his experience. Under this one is Bob Hugan, who's aligned with 0045, the Donald Trump. Do you think I should, like, shh. This is probably better, right? Absolutely. Like, right? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Because this is the work that's been done right. in New Jersey. Right. So we know that's we safe. Know what we safe gonna, we know what we've been getting. <laughs> At first, I was kind of scared to vote for Menendez, you know, but because he's, you know. No, but he's better. Even if we let's say he's better yeah. than you. So you're a Hugan supporter? <laughs> no. And now we have magical ballots appearing in Arizona. You know, the left will stop at nothing to win. Look what they did to Kavanaugh. The same left that dest destroyed the reputation in the name of a Supreme Court justice by sending up a bunch of liars to claim he was a rapist. He had rape parties and, you know, he was spiking the punch with his red solo cup. And next thing you know, they're getting out with GoFundMe pages with a million dollars a pop. And this guy has his name besmirched for his life, for his lifetime. 
The left doesn't care. They're fine with that. And they are, they're so fine with it, they're even fine with chasing you into restaurants over these claims. Like they did to Ted Cruz. Senator, I have a right to know what your position is on Brett Kavanaugh. We believe God bless you, ma'am. Bless you as well. I really appreciate you. I'm a survivor of sexual assault, ma'am. I believe all survivors. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. way harder than you do. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. God bless you. Let my wife through. We believe survivors. Forgotten We believe survivors. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. We believe survivors. Maybe when the migrant caravan is trying to bombard its way across our, our border with their flags of their home nations in an invasion-style march, uh, maybe we'll go find the Department of Homeland Security dining in a Mexican restaurant, and while she's down in a burrito and a margarita, we'll just chastise her while she eats. secretary and you get kicked out of a restaurant by the owner you know they'll even the left is so ridiculous they'll even mock war veterans who are running for office because they wear an eye patch from a loss of vision a loss of their eyesight that they received while protecting us protecting our freedom in battle dan crenshaw uh, <laughs> oh come on man yeah, hold on uh you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from texas and not a hitman in a porno movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in, in war or whatever. <laughs> whatever. They want to pound on the doors of conservative commentators' homes like they did to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, you have a foster home to protect the protest of fascism and racism. You feel that's right to Ideology that has led to thousands of people dying by the hands of the police, to trans women being murdered in the streets. Your policies come on here, and we want you to know we know where you sleep at night. Mail on. 
that night. They want to chase you in subways and on the streets if you're a conservative commentator like Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends. Brian Kilmeade, if you have anything you want Donald Trump to say uh, or do, tell this guy, because he's the only person in America that Donald Trump listens to. Brian, did you get that? Career, career criminal, traitor, go to hell. Okay, there we go. That goes for Trump. Think about what you're doing. Think about it. They'll chastise you in your driveway like they did to Mitch McConnell and his wife. They have no shame. They'll go outside of your house and start chanting. You know, it's ridiculous. They'll even go out to a baseball field where Republican congressmen are practicing for their game and shoot them. Now, if you wear a MAGA hat, you're instantly confronted and possibly have your hat ripped off your head. You'll get kicked out of restaurants. You'll get cut off in traffic if you have a bumper sticker that, you know, shows that you supported Trump. You lose your job. You might even lose your opening act for ZZ Top's uh, guitarist, Billy Gibbons. Yeah, this happened to America's Got Talent alumni. You know, Benton Blount, he abruptly lost his opening act gig on ZZ Top guitarist Billy Gibbons' concert tour after his pro-Trump Facebook post got him temporarily banned from the social media website. This is from Fox News. Blount was shown was um, shown in a, in a shot that he took a picture of, a little selfie he did, where he's wearing his Make America Great Again hat with a sticker that says, I voted, and he's holding a Chick-fil-A sandwich and a drink. And the photo carried the caption, someone reading this just got offended multiple times. My work here is done. Hashtag vote. And so he goes, I drove down here to Atlanta from Greenville, South Carolina, to the venue. I get a call from my friend from California who informs me that not only have I been banned from Facebook, but as a result, been banned from um, Billy Gibbons' tour because of the Facebook ban. And it was effective immediately. I mean, this is what happens to those on the right. You lose your gig. You know, the left cannot shake Trump derangement syndrome, but we have a pill for that. Over the last eight years, life was simple. I could use whichever bathroom I wanted. I could marry whomever and whatever. I could even frolic through the streets of San Francisco in my birthday suit. But then, November 8th happened. I felt defeated. Like the way to fly over country was crashing down all around me. That's when I turned to Calexidon. Do you suffer from random spontaneous outbursts, fits of rage, uncontrollable emotions, chronic crying, and chronic dry eye, restless leg kicking and screaming syndrome, and increased paranoia? You may be suffering from this debilitating disease known as TARD, Trump Acceptance Resistance Disorder. Calexita may help. Calexita isn't for everybody, including the 1%. Side effects may include the yearning for security blankets, therapy poodles, and safety pins. Yes, safety pins, along with thoughts of fleeing the homeland, and thoughts of assisted suicide. If you have an election lasting more than 36 hours please consult a constitution. If you or your loved ones are infected with this debilitating disease, please be sure to consult a pharmacist, and a sommelier. Calexita consists of 100 milligrams of oxycotton, 500 milligrams of Xanax, and 750 milliliters of Russian River Shiraz. The Affordable Care Act may cover up to one sixteenth of a prescription of Calexita, and RAL may require an adjustable rate mortgage to meet your remaining deductible. Take back your world. Take back your lifestyle. Take Calexita. I can now impose my lifestyle on the world again. I'm not going to let representative republicanism stop me. Calexita. Yes, Calexita. If you have an election lasting more than 48 hours, you call a physician or you call a Samanier. But you know what? The left is, is, they're just ridiculous. They don't care. They have no morals, no scruples. They will use technology to su suppress your speech. They'll shadow ban you, sticking you in a corner so nobody sees your post. If you decide you want to be somewhat of an activist and get your voice heard, they'll demonetize you, pulling all of the payment processing 
functions and services away from you. They'll deplatform you, get rid of your app from the app stores, um, you know, hide your search engines. They'll take your videos off YouTube. I mean, it's ridiculous. And their leaders are out there actively calling for violence. We are not them. We do not act the way they do. But I do think that when you're in the arena and somebody throws a punch, you better be able to take a punch and throw a punch. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes, I love that story. Yes. Okay, got it. Yes. Nancy Pelosi actively calling. She's going to be your next speaker. How about that? Look, for us to even think about coming together, both sides are going to have to make the effort. You don't have just one side show up. And I remember back in the day, way back in the day when I used to bartend, um, even though I had a background in broadcasting too, which is the whole reason why I even started the podcast, we used to have these heated discussions and we talked about the things you're not supposed to talk about at a bar, religion and politics. But you know what? Sometimes the exchanges got heated. Sometimes we agreed. Sometimes we didn't. But at the end... We laughed, told jokes, shared a beverage. Everybody was cool. That's how it should be. But they don't want to, uh, to compromise. They want to eliminate your views. That's why I voted straight party line. A friend of mine had a poll online and said, hey, what color are you voting for? Everybody said red. Of course, I said red because blue wants me dead, basically. And see, we don't come together until they quit looking at us as though, as though we're the enemy. You know, we've tried to reach across the aisle and be the bigger person and put things behind us, but they look at us as the enemy. They look at us as the problem, and it's a bigger solution would be to everybody find the things that we can agree upon, you know, find the things that we love about this country. The problem is I worry that they don't love this country. They want to make it into something new, something that's been tried everywhere. Like in Venezuela, they're eating their pets. I mean, it's unbelievable. They don't even have supplies for their hospitals, but they want that model instilled here and they want to be at the forefront of running it. And we have to realize that individual liberty, freedom, these kind of things are what are important and what make the country great and it makes us operate in a way that we have to self-regulate you know i mean we have to look out for our brothers and sisters we have to take care of each other because it's the thing that our god would require us not not a government mandate so until that comes to fruition then we're going to be stuck in this situation and hopefully we find our way out of it someday here soon. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to us on Mojo 50 every Saturday at 5 p.m., every Sunday, 6 a.m., and then again at 5 p.m. Check out Mojo 50 on the iHeartRadio app or at Mojo50.com. You can also check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, Overcast, Podbean. Wherever podcasts are hosted, you can find The Adrian Slade Show. You can also check out The Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store. Download it. Check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also support the show. Subscribe, $2 a month or whatever amount you wish, patreon.com slash Show, or get on over to anchor.fm slash Slade and donate $4.99 a month. We'll see you guys next time.